Yeah, so uh, as Mike shared, we're all kind of addressing different questions. <clears throat> and the one that I'm going to be addressing, and I, I think we'll, I'll start the same way in defining the term, is what is discipleship? Because if we're going to talk about what leaders are, well, what are leaders supposed to do? Right? Make disciples. And so I think that, <clears throat> as Mike mentioned, if we don't have the same definition, then we can say that we're disciples, being discipled, making disciples, whatever it is, because we're just kind of like, well, whatever target you want to set, you can define on your own. And so I'm going to look at, I want us to look at Luke 6 to look for a definition or at least what Jesus says about what the outcome of discipleship is. <clears throat> and so this is where we'll start the conversation. In Luke 6, verse 40, Jesus says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. Simple, short answer. A disciple is a student. Students are, in, are trying to learn something. There's a, there's a posture in your heart as a student that you're like, I'm here to receive something. I'm here to learn how to do something. Uh, and so in Jesus' mind, if you're giving yourself to being a disciple, when you become mature, when whatever's being deposited in you starts to grow and mature, you see a reflection of whatever it was that was being poured into you. And so I would submit that all of us have been discipled and are making disciples. The question is whether or not we've been discipled well and are making disciples the way Jesus wants us to make disciples. Whether or not the things that are being invested in us are actually working towards us becoming like the teacher. Ultimately, we know the teacher is Jesus. Ultimately. But in his wisdom, the way he has set it up, he's given us one another. He's given us each other so that as you become like your leaders, you become like Jesus. That's why Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. That's the model. And I would submit that whatever... Whatever measure of the character of Christ that you have in your life right now, present day, whatever measure of the character of Christ and the surrender to, to, the, to the Father's will and his desires reveals what you've been submitting yourself to. It's, it's growing up. It's maturing in you. There's no, there's no new believers in here. Everybody in here that I'm aware of has been would say they've been walking with Jesus for a while. And so whatever level of maturity we have is a reflection of what we've been taught, what we've been putting on the inside of us. And unfortunately, in many cases, we see that sometimes people just get discipled by a different definition. You know, it's, if, if you know me, you know I was discipled. Janelle and I were discipled by Dave and Danielle Papavisi. And I remember 15 years ago... I asked Dave if he would disciple me, and what I was asking him was, would you sit with me, meet with me once a week for a couple hours, I tell you my problems, you give me some Bible verses, we pray, do it again next week. 
That's, that's, that was my understanding of discipleship. And I remember at this point in my life, Dave was the godliest man I had ever met. I'd never known anybody that walked with God the way he did. I wanted what he had. So I asked him to disciple me. And the godliest man I had ever met said, I don't have time for that. And I remember being like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. But he didn't have time for whatever my definition of discipleship was. And so if you know our story, my story, Dave delivered pizzas for a living. And I happened to live in the area where he delivered pizzas. And so I would get out of work at 5 o'clock, take the bus to the pizzeria, and I would deliver pizzas with him two to three times a week, a couple hours each night. I was, I was dating Janelle. I was single. I was dating Janelle. I didn't have any kids. I wasn't married. And so I thought I was just hanging out with Dave. And it, honestly, it took me six to eight months before I realized that I was being discipled, that the Lord was using him to shape and mold me into Jesus' likeness and character, right? So, and I understand, like, now I, I couldn't go hang out and deliver pizzas with somebody two, three nights a week. I get that. I got kids and, and all that. I understand that life may not allow for that. But what I want to highlight, from, even from my own life, my own experience, was that there was a posture in my heart while I was sitting in the passenger seat of a Honda Civic, I wasn't here just because I needed a friend. I wasn't here just because I needed a good Christian buddy to keep me out of trouble. I was here because I wanted to learn something from him. I wanted to receive something from him. So there was a posture in my heart that was like, man, whatever I can get from you, I'm going to get it. And so there was a lot of just riding around, talking about the scriptures, talking about sports, talking about life, sharing stories, whatever it was. Uh, but... As I've grown and matured, and, and Janelle, we would, Janelle would say the same thing. If you spent time with their family, there was a lot of things about the Papavisis that you would say, oh, that's where Frankie gets it from. Like, it wasn't like there was this, like, rocket science, like, I'm going to try to figure out how to one-up them to prove that I figured it out. No, I was like, oh, man, this is working for you. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to imitate your life. Our family looks very similar to the Papavisi's family structure, the way they do things, to, to present day. Jubilee just turned 13 in January. He's my first teenager. Dave's got three of them. So there's st still, to this day, questions like, how does this work? Give me wisdom because you've gone ahead of me. But that's what discipleship looks like. And so in Matthew 28, we all know this passage. When Jesus says, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And, Lord, I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. We know this. This was the instruction that he gave to his leaders. This was like, hey, here's what I want you doing with your time. Shaping and forming people into my likeness and my image. That's what you do with your time now. And so we start there. And then now, if you go modern day, discipleship looks like give yourself to this once a week program. Let's go through this book together. And when you're done, we'll give you a certificate. 
And this is what most of us consider discipleship. Right? And so this gets replicated and because you reproduce what is get put, gets put in you. So how do we get back to Jesus' definition of discipleship? What does it look like in our context, in our world right now? And like this church. I'm not even talking about other churches and what everybody else should be doing. I'm talking about us. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many here, just ask yourself, would you say that you've actually been discipled? Like some, there was a season of your life where you walked with someone who was ahead of you in, in, in life with God, and they were, they were intentionally trying to shape your life to be more like Christ. Like that's... that's a real question that in your heart you should be like, man, Lord, if this wasn't hap- if this didn't happen, why not? How is it that the, the one thing Jesus wanted to be happening in the church, how is it that so many have gotten born again, baptized, sent off to ministry school, ordained, given a ch- got into ministry, gone out, got to the mission field? You name it, having never actually had to submit their lives to someone for a season. How is it that's the main thing Jesus wanted us doing? And some of us in this room would say, like, that's never happened to me. But I got put in through the machine, right? Some of us get discipled and whoever was pouring into us is more concerned with us Feeding the machine than actually being shaped and formed into the image of Christ. And so if we don't see that we've been subtly tricked and duped into believing that there's something else that Jesus is after. Then we'll just continue going on with the way we've been going on. But if we actually look at our lives and say, Lord, why am I here? Why are you in this room? Why are you part of this church? Did Jesus bring you here because he was really concerned with you having Christian friends? Or was it because he wanted to put you in a place where you could be shaped and formed into his image? And if that's the case, if that's why Jesus brought you here, then what does your schedule look like? How much room do you give for this? If this is what Jesus wants. So Mike mentioned earlier that, there needs to, that we should have like a, a holy discontentment with when we pray for the sick and we don't see results. I agree. I, I've, I've lived with that burden and that holy discontentment for a really long time. But I also have it in this area. That if we're going to say we believe that this is what Jesus wants, then I believe it's absolutely worth it to rearrange our entire lives. Now, it may seem like, man, you're asking a lot. I don't think I'm asking enough. Because I believe it's absolutely worth rearranging our lives. And I would submit because all of us are not new believers and we've been around for a while, this requires a little bit of humility to actually come to someone and say, hey, Would you be willing to 
pour into my life? Would you be willing to allow me to submit myself to you? Because we, we, we take the easy route. I can't tell you how many times I've sat with somebody that would be like, oh, yeah, I was discipled. Bill Johnson is my spiritual papa. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> the amount of times I've heard somebody say, oh, yeah, I got this. I've been, this person is my spiritual father. I've been discipled by so-and-so. Meanwhile, this person's never heard of them. You cannot get discipled on the Internet. Think about it. Jesus had his disciples with him all day, every day for three years. With him all day, every day for three years. And they're still making bonehead decisions, saying things that they shouldn't be saying. Hey, Jesus, they're rejecting your message. Should we call down fire? Like, can you imagine? This is what you, hey, Jesus, they're rejecting you. Should we kill them? What do you think? Right? After three years, Jesus tells them, hey, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to be handed over. Peter says, nope, not on my watch. He rebukes Peter. And then when it happens, what does Peter do? Pulls out a knife and tries to cut the guy's throat. Yeah, he got his ear, but you think he was aiming for his ear? Jesus invested his life into these guys and still said after three years, listen, and this is the key here. He tells them in Acts 1, you're going to need the Holy Spirit in order to live this thing out. You're going to have to be filled with the Holy Ghost if you're actually going to live this out. And so in our own world, <clears throat> I want to encourage us. To really weigh before the Lord how he defines discipleship. The ship part implies that you're in the state of, in a friendship, a relationship. Discipleship means I'm in the process of being discipled. I've given myself to say, hey, would you be willing? And then... As crazy as it may sound, trusting the Lord to use that relationship to actually shape you and mold you. I mean, this is the, this is the thing. Like, Jesus is like, hey, this is what I want you to do. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Most of the time when people talk about the Great Commission, it's like, hey, you need to go out and make disciples. I believe the word for us is like, hey, you need to get discipled. Because too many of us have been allowed to coast by for far too long and never actually given ourselves to the challenging but wonderful process of being shaped by the people of God. And I, I, I believe with everything in me that if we would actually give ourselves to this and all areas, that it'll bear fruit that will impact eternity. It'll change things. My life is forever changed because I met Dave and I submitted my life to him. My life is forever changed because I was willing to ride around in a Honda Civic delivering pizzas. 
I didn't even, I didn't even work. I got free. All I got was a free pizza. That's all I got. I, there was, I, in, in my mind, it was like I had nothing else going on, but I, I wanted what he had, and I didn't know how to get it. So I figured I would settle for just time. Not knowing, eight months later, I would realize that it's what I needed. So my last question is, like, what's the vision that you have for your life here in God? What is it that you're believing God for in your life? Because I promise you, whatever it is, that he, whatever dream he's put in you, I, I genuinely believe that it's accessible here with the people in this room. You want to be a better husband, better father, better wife, better mother, better businessman, better whatever? There are people here that if you actually chose to submit your life to, and it's going to take time. It's going to take time. It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to cost you money. You're going to lose sleep. You're going to get irritated. But it's going to be worth it. But it has to start with what's the Lord's desire? Why are we here, to get, why are we here together? It's not just because we needed a place to go to church today. If it was just a satisfied desire to go to church, 3 o'clock in the afternoon is not my ideal time. If it was just to satisfy a desire to go to church, I wouldn't be driving the same cloud. There's other ways that I could scratch that itch. But the reality is I believe that this is what the Lord wants. It's what he desires, and I believe it's worth it. I believe he's worth setting up my entire life to give him what he wants. For the rest of my life. Actually changing the way my life looks so that he could get what he wants out of me. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. Jesus, I'm asking you to reveal to us your desires for us here. That we would humbly approach your body, your church, the way that you want us to, God. With a posture of students wanting to learn, desiring to mature in you. So God, help us. Help us, God, to be students that become like you. I pray, Lord, for the grace to walk in humility, the grace to be discipled, so that you would have a, a church here, Lord, that is truly and genuinely giving you what you want. We're shaping one another into your image. That we wouldn't just settle for good Christian friends, but that our relationships would be Rooted in what burns in your heart. In every sense of the word. Jesus, we're asking you for help. We love you and we trust you in your word.